Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. So we're going to continue tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and going to be continuing on with the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Tonight, we're specifically going to talk about the way to pray. And just like we prayed just there, if, if you're brand new to this and you're wondering what is going on, like I grew up, I was a Lutheran boy, and if I would have heard people speaking in tongues, I would have been like, whoa, what is going on here, right? But, but you know, that is a form uh, of praying the prayer of faith, amen? And then, uh, you know, God giving you a heavenly language, which is your prayer language, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, um, that's that heavenly language. And again, typically you're using that in your private time, but... In a time like this, when we come together, we pray that prayer of unity, and there's no stronger prayer than you praying in the Holy Ghost in that heavenly language, because the Bible says you're praying mysteries straight up to God. Amen? And so again, we believe that, that uh, again, there's, you know, the warfare is real, right? And so again, we, we want to do everything that we know to do to stand in the gap for our brothers and, and, and our sisters in Christ, because that's what they would be doing for us as well. All right, so again, tonight we're going to talk about prayer uh, in Matthew chapter 6. And prayer is simply, if you break it down real simply, it's just talking to God, okay? And prayer works. That's why we pray, just like praying for Todd there. Prayer works, amen? So again, it's just simply a, a two-way communication between you and, and God. And obviously, we've been spending many months here on the Sermon on the Mount because it is so important. We finally made it out of Matthew chapter 5, and now we're into, into Matthew chapter 6 here, but we went over the Beatitudes and, and all the various things that were in chapter 5. But I would highly encourage you, you know, just to go back through that and, and really get that into your heart because that was probably the most important thing that Jesus taught on or, or the import, most important message that, that he spoke was that Sermon on the Mount. And I don't believe it was just a one-time thing. I believe that he taught that many, many times you know, when he talked to, to various people. So uh, before we get into prayer, it, it, prayer is a giant topic. I mean, we could literally spend weeks, if not months, on this topic of loan. I got into one of Kenneth Hagin's books, and uh, just he went through nine different forms of prayer. And I, I'm going to read these out to you, but, you know, the first was the prayer of faith, like we just, just prayed. That's, you know, confessing what, what the Word of God and what God has done for us and making a declaration. The second is a, a prayer of consecration, similar to what the Virgin Mary did when, when God chose her to, to carry our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The third is a prayer of commitment. You know, that's a, a prayer uh, like when you get born again, when you get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you make him Lord of your life. You're committing your life to him. The fourth is a prayer of worship. The fifth is, is the prayer of agreement. You know, there's, there's no greater agreement than, than a husband and a wife or, or two believers. When you join hands and you pray and you, you trust God together, the Bible says where two shall agree on earth as touching anything that we ask our Father for will be done you know, for us. Amen? There, that's, there's strength in there. Six is praying in the Spirit, like we just did, praying in that, that heavenly language. Seven is united prayer, and that was another example of everybody just coming together united in prayer. So again, there's corporate prayer, there's, there's public prayer. Obviously, I opened up in prayer, and then there's private prayer, many different types of prayer. And, and uh, last two, there's a prayer supplication, and then finally, there's an intercessory prayer. And we kind of hit on a number of those, even just praying for Todd, right? You know, prayer unity, praying in the spirit, interceding for him, and, and praying the prayer of faith. 
So again, a lot of different ways to pray. So if you're brand new, that can get overwhelming and confusing. And really the gist of it is, spend time talking with God. He's a good father. He wants to spend time with you. Amen? And you're going to grow in your relationship with him. And here's what God knows. He knows that we start out as, as infants and then we grow up you know, into toddlers and, and go through grade school and junior high and high school and, and eventually become adults. And it's that, that same, like our, our maturing experience in life, it's the same way in our spiritual life. Amen? Now, before we get into Matthew chapter 6, I just want to read Luke 18, 1 real quick. It says, And he spake a parable to them uh, to this end, and it said that men ought always to pray and not faint. And you hear that. Men ought always, or men and women ought always to pray. And so what is this saying? Is this saying that, you know, you shouldn't have a job, you should just spend all day praying? Absolutely not. It's talking about developing a, a prayer life. It's, it's having an awareness of God as you go throughout your day, right? So as you're working and, and doing what you're doing, you know, it's just having that awareness of, of God and the Holy Spirit in your life. But here's the thing. Again, that's going to be developed over time. Don't feel like you're going to get there overnight, but you will get there over time. You know, and, and eventually, you know, as you're, you're aware of God more often, he'll show you things to come and he'll keep you away from temptation and all those things as you develop that, that attitude and, and, and that mindset. But he understands. He understands we've got families, that we've got careers and businesses and, and, and things going on. But again, he simply wants to be a part of all of it. You know, I know, Bruce, when you're out traveling and, and going into those sales meetings, it's, you're, I know you're praying before you go in there. Not just to make a sale, but first of all, to, to, that the Holy Spirit would come in and that he would have an opportunity to witness to the people that he's talking to, and then a sale is icing on the cake. Amen? And God works all that out. Uh, some various ways that you can learn how to pray. Again, before we get it, go in on this, the best way to do it, show up Sunday morning at 845, between 845 and 915. You know, Pastor Vicki, every Sunday morning, first service, she'll teach you how to pray. And it's not always that she's going to teach on prayer, but you, you learn by listening. You know, in business, I could have done a, a Saturday training, you know, that was two or three hours long, but you would learn more in, in one time of us just going to a meeting, you listening to me, how I would talk to somebody, and then asking questions about that. We learn a lot more by doing, right? So 845 is a great way. Monday at noon, you know, it's a little different setup, but again, we're praying for the nation. We sometimes pass the microphone around so people can have an opportunity to, to pray whether they want to or whether maybe they get picked on. But again, don't be scared if you're a newer person. Come and learn how to pray because, again, it's, it's, it's learning by being an action. You know, another way is, is the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. And granted, they are songs, but they're also, a lot of them are prayers. You know, if you prayed one of those a day or read through one of those a day out loud, that would take you for five months, right? If you did five a day, you could get through them in 30 days. But again, you start reading through those over and over and over. And that repetition, the word of God will end up getting in you and you'll start praying the word out. And again, those Psalms are a great place to start. Uh, I went up to the bookstore earlier and I counted. I stopped counting at 40 books on prayer, okay? And Lindy back there has probably read all 40, so if you want to know which one to read, either ask her or, or ask Pastor Vicki or, or Barb back there. They can, you know, give you a direction on, on which books to, to start out on, with on prayer depending on what it is that you're looking for. And, and they're all good. It's just pick one and, and read it because prayer is important. You know, and finally, I touched on this. We need to practice prayer. We need to be intentional about it, Right? 
you know, practice when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time event. You know, uh, my buddy Judd is a, is a, works on cars and stuff, and it'd be like if I took my car to him and he put a, you know, a nitrous on there, right? And, and I've got that on there, but then if I'm driving along and I'm like, it's not, well, I have to hit the button for the thing to work, right? That's, that's I always tell, tell people, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like putting a blower or, or nitrous on your engine, and man, it just accelerates things, right? But you've got to use it. Right? So I'll tell you this, afterwards when we have prayer partners, I'll be standing right over here, and if you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'll lead you in a prayer, uh, and you'll re- you will receive. Because I, I, it's just like salvation. You ask, and you receive by faith, and then you speak out. Amen? And that prayer language will change everything for you. Amen? So Matthew chapter 6, are you there yet? All right, verse 5 is where we're starting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover five principles of prayer as we go through this. And here's what Jesus said. He said, and when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. He said, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the first principle of prayer here is, is we want to avoid performance prayers. Okay, it's, this isn't about being seen and, and how eloquent you are and, and so forth. And it's interesting because before Jesus gets into teaching us how to pray, he really teaches us how not to pray. And so what does he say? He says, don't be like the hypocrites, right? And, and what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is some, simply somebody who, who puts on a mask and they pretend to be somebody that they're not. Okay, it's like a parent that says, do as I say, but not as I do. That's hypocritical. And your kids will figure that out really quick. So the hypocrites, you know, outwardly, they wanted to look really religious and really pious. So they would go stand out on the street corners and, and, they, and they'd be praying these, these loud, you know, prayers. But, but he said, don't be like that. The Pharisees are basically acting. They've got masks on. Okay, and, and you know, back then uh, in Jewish customs, they had a prayer that they prayed first thing in the morning, another prayer that they pray, prayed right before bed, which is a good thing to do. And then they would pray at 9 a.m., noon, and 3, 3 p.m. And, and they prayed a prayer that was, it was called the, called the Armada, and, or the Amada. Basically, it was a series of, of 18 or 19 blessings of praise, petitions, and thanksgivings, which, which is a good thing. The problem is, is, you know, it'd be like going out on, on 41st and Louise and, and you're out there just, just praying as loud as you can because you're looking for people to see you, right? You're trying to draw attention to yourself and you're being hypocritical with that. So again, even when you're, you're praying corporately or around people, don't feel like you've got to have all the right words. Again, God knows where you're at. And, and I think he, you know, come in childlike faith. I think he, a lot of times he hears the, the prayers of new believers. Sometimes we get too, too smart for our own, our own good and we try to be too eloquent and whatnot. And man, he's just a good God and he just wants to spend time with us. Amen? So again, those people that, that are like that person out on 41st and Louise and, and bring it attention to themselves, he said, he goes, he goes, you have your reward. And your reward is that you are seen by men putting on that performance. So that first key is, is avoid performances. You know, and, and prayer is supposed to be personal. It's, it's between you and God. And again, it's not bad to pray in public like we did earlier. I'm not saying that. But, but when you have, you know, this intimate prayer time 
with God, it, it's really about our heart or really about our attitude that we bring. It's not to, to be looking all religious and all spiritual and whatnot. And, and I've been there before. I know I've, especially when I'm with pastors, I'm like, man, they've been doing this, you know, 41 years leading prayer and whatnot. And then I got to pray and you're trying to like measure up to something. But I'm telling you, first of all, they don't care. And God doesn't either. He just wants to hear prayer that comes directly from your heart and with the right attitude. Amen? Because again, we can fool one another, but we can't fool God, right? In Matthew 6, 6, again, it says, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And again, this describes intimacy. If you're going to be intimate with your spouse, you're hopefully going to go into your your bedroom, right, and close the door behind you, and, and that's where the intimate time is going to happen at, in private, Right? And, and that's how it is with God. Now, again, it doesn't have to be in a, in a closet. It could be in your car. It could be in your office. You know, wherever. Again, it's, it's about being set apart and being intentional and in, in building that relationship and, and that, that time. And, and really about shutting the world off. That's more than anything. So you can hear the voice of God. Amen? But he'll talk to you all day long. He'll, he'll go back and forth. And it might not be an audible voice, but it's just, you know, that, that impression, the thoughts that you get. And, and after you spend enough time with God, you don't, you don't know what thoughts are your thoughts are, and are his thoughts because, again, you start thinking the way that he thinks. And that's a good thing. Amen? Jeremiah 17.10, just listen to this. You don't have to turn there. But he says, you know, but I, the Lord, I search all hearts and I examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So again, if the only reason that we pray is to sound spiritual, we're going to have our rewards. But again, God examines the secret motives of our hearts. So what should be our motive in prayer? It should be building a stronger relationship with God, right? And, And you become who you surround yourself with. So as you spend time with God, as you spend time in the Word, it'll renew your mind, You know, God will get into you. I always say, you know, God does not think like we think. Thank goodness, right? He doesn't forgive the way that we forgive, right? But the more time we spend with God, we can begin to think the way he does think, which is a good thing. But it comes through spending time with him. And you know that. You, you, you find people that have maybe moved down south, they, they develop an accent over time, right? Because they become who they surround themselves with. And it's the same way with this. You know, we, we should start sounding more like God and in our nature and our personality. And that comes through prayer, through that two-way communication. And obviously, through re- reading the Word of God as well. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse, verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Don't just pray the same thing over and over, or say the same thing over and over and over as the heathen, or what he's talking about here is the non-believer. Don't do what the non-believers do. For what they think, they think that they will be heard for their many words. So again, the first uh, point was avoid performance prayers. And the second point is, is we got to go to God in faith and we ask in faith because that's how he responds. He responds to faith. He doesn't respond to a bunch of words, a bunch of, you know, saying the same thing over again. It's, it's just like healing. If we just, you know, go, okay, if I confess Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed, if I, if I say that 20 times, then I'm going to receive healing. That, that's not the way that this works, right? It, it's, it's confessing, it's, it's, it's getting the word of God in us and meditating on that word and speaking that word out, and, and, and that is a process of time, you know, and, and that's how it works, but the thinking of, of this heathen is, is, is if I can pray loud enough and long enough, I'm going to eventually get God's attention, get his voice, and then that's going to move the heart of God in my situation. 
And it's like, no, it's not that way at all. We have to understand that we are sons and daughters. If you're born again, you are a son or daughter of the living king, of, of, of the creator of the whole universe. And he hears your prayers. Amen? And you don't have to be all loud and, and long and, and repetitious and whatnot. It's just, again, sharing your heart with them. And I always think about it, you know, like my relationship with, with my sons. You know, uh, you know, how goofy it would be if, if they came to me and started commanding things. Or every day they came and were like, you know, Dad, I'm so sorry. I'm so worthless. I'm so, you know, and it's like a lot of times that's our heart attitude that we come to God in. You know, and, and it's, it's coming to him in confidence and in boldness, knowing that he's a good dad and, and we can hop right up on his lap and, and he's going to, you know, take care of us and we can have that, that two-way communication with him. So let's talk a little bit deeper about this, this, uh, this praying in faith. So Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, a very well-known scripture. And, and it starts out, it says, have faith in God. Another way to say it is have the God kind of faith. So, well, what is the God kind of faith? It says, verily I say unto you that, that whosoever, and this is Jesus talking, should say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And it says, therefore, because of all of that, because of the, the saying and not doubting in his heart and the believing and, and, and the speaking it out, because of all that, he says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, that word desire there, it, it means of the Father, right? Another scripture says, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. As you spend time with him, God's desires will become your desires, Amen. So it's, those desires are of the Father, the Father's heart. When, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Amen? When, when are you going to have them? It's when you pray, right? If you're praying in faith. So we don't have to pray the same thing when we're praying a prayer of faith over and over and over. I heard it said, I think Smith Wigglesworth said, if you, if you pray about the same thing seven times, you prayed six times in doubt and one time in faith, Right? So it's, it's not about, and again, there are various types of prayer, but we are to pray in faith, believing that when we pray, we are going to receive what it is that we asked of God. Amen? Here's an example of, of faith in the area of finances, okay? So how does faith come? By hearing, right? We read the Word of God. Faith grows by meditating. So you hear the Word of God, and then, and then you meditate on that Word. What, what does the Word say? And then, and then it activates by speaking it out, right? Faith comes, faith grows, faith speaks. So you, you might find some scriptures. I'd, I'd find at least two or three regarding any situation. Philippians 4.19, it says this, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.6, it says, He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So there's two scriptures that, that are promises for giving. And then you could say, hey, if you're a tither, you could say, I'm in covenant with God and I have tither's rights. That means that God is, you know, I, I put my little hand out to him and, and I'm taking care of my part and he puts his, his giant hand out to me and he's taking care of his part, amen, because we're in covenant together. And we, we find that in the word of God and, and that, that grows faith up in us because again, we put that word in us, we meditate on that word but here's the deal. We want to meditate and marinate on it a while. We don't want to just start shotgunning scriptures out before we get into us. I remember Kenneth Hagin would say that he would meditate on the scriptures sometimes for, for a day or two or even three. 
If he went and did uh, camp meetings, and this is a little bit different because, you know, Faith Family Church's pastors have been teaching here for so long, but if he went into a place where they're, you know, especially back then when they maybe didn't believe in healing or, or, or prospering financially or, or, or whatever it was, he'd spend a few days teaching first to create faith before he would even pray, you know, the prayer of faith for healing over them. Because again, faith has to come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then it grows by meditating on that word by the repetition and then it speaks out. You know, again, on finances, I think about it like this. You know, even the, the series on, on prosperity that pastor's been teaching, again, prosperity being a pie. You know, having prosperity in, in your faith and your relationships in your marriage and with your kids, having uh, prosperity in your health and walking in divine healing, and then finally, prosperity in your finances. But I think back on the, the Garden of Eden and, or, and just meditating on that, you know, thinking how it was back then, right? You know, God created the, the heavens and the earth over a five-day period. You know, he, he said, light be, and, and then he separate, you know, he put the moon and the sun and, and separated the earth from the, uh, or the, the ground from the water, you know, he put vegetation there. He, he put animals there. He provided everything. He put the Garden of Eden there. He provided everything for the man before he even created the man. And then on the sixth day, he created Adam, and he put him in this garden where every need was already provided. Amen? Then I think about the Israelites who came out of the wilderness, right? So they came out. They, they had been slaves or, or were in the wilderness. They had come out of Egypt, you know, after spending years in there, and, and they come out, and, and for 40 years, because of their doubt and unbelief, their shoes never wore out, their clothes never wore out, nobody ever got sick, they had manna each and every day, God, God provided for them. So there's, there's two examples, the Garden of Eden, and then you've got the Israelites in the wilderness, and then we look forward to heaven. You know, the, we're, we're walking on streets of gold where, where you know, it's, it's not like we're going to be like, it's just going to be how it is. There's streets of gold there, it's opulence, it's wealth. You know, there's, there's 12 gates that are each made of pearl. I looked it up, there's, there's a pearl that, the biggest pearl in the world is 15 inches wide, I think it's like nine inches tall and like, like two inches deep, so you know, it's about like maybe a shoebox size or maybe a little bit bigger. It's worth between 60 and 200 million dollars. And there's gonna be 12 gates that are like that in heaven. And that's just some of it. And it, we're just gonna be around it, it's not gonna be a big deal. I mean, it'll be a big deal when we first get there, but then it's just normal, right? But then here we sit in 2022 thinking that that poverty is piety, right? Wrong. No. God is an abundant God. But see, if we get that in us, if, if we read what the Word of God says and, and we really meditate on that, right, and, and you get those scriptures in you, then you start speaking that Word out and you have confidence in the Word of God and, and what God has already provided for all of us. Amen? And then you make a confession once faith has grown in your heart and you're ready to speak it out, it might go something like, you know, God, I thank you that you supply all of my needs, that you abundantly give me uh, what I need to give into every good work. And then you need to take authority over Satan because there is an adversary, the little G God of this world, that's trying to come against your stuff and things. So it's, it's binding him and telling him, Satan, I, I command you to take your hands off of my finances, to loose those finances, the finances that are come, to come into my life. Amen? And then finally, you, you command the ministering angels to go out and bring in. What, what is he going to bring in? He's not going to rain $100 bills out of heaven. It doesn't work that way. He's going to bring in opportunities. 
He's going to bring people into your life, maybe business ideas, maybe inventions, maybe a different career or whatever it is. But again, God will bring that in as you're, as you're meditating on the word and, and hiding the word in your heart and then speaking that out. That's how the whole thing works. Amen? But so many times it's like if we have maybe a sickness, we want to just start shotgunning scriptures out when we don't have any faith to stand on with that. And they become idle words. And again, God meets us where we're at. But again, as you mature in this and you want to be walking in divine healing, you want to be walking in in abundance in in, in every area of life, walking in abundance in in your relationships with your your wife or husband and with your kids and whatnot. Amen? And that's how it comes. So again, the second thing is to ask in faith and then thank God that it's already done. Because again, thoughts are going to come contrary. Your situation might look contrary. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And so when we see something contrary, hey, I thank you, God, that you're working things out on my behalf. I can't see what it is that you're doing, but I know that you know the end from the beginning, and I know you're working out on my, out on my behalf. Amen? And you continue to praise him for that. Because praise will steal your mind, and it also steal the enemy. Verse 8 in, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Therefore, because of all that, do not be like them. Be like who? The heathen. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So the third principle is to ask knowing that you're going to receive. And a question I would ask here, you know, if, if it says, you know, your father already knows the things that you have need of before you ask him, if he already knows that you have need of it, why do you even need to ask then? You think about that. And here's the reason. God's a good father. He wants to spend time with his children, Right? And by asking him, you're showing him that you believe that he can provide what it is that you're asking him for. So it's the same way with with like my boys. If they come to me and they say, hey, dad, you know, I need X, Y, and Z or whatever it is. They're showing me by asking me that they know that I I have that and I have the ability to give it to them, right? And they're showing that they trust me that I will provide that for them. You know, and, and they don't come to me and ask for, well, they do come and ask for food outside of the house. There's plenty of food in the house, trust me, but they come and, and always want food outside. But again, they don't have to worry when they wake up in the morning if there's going to be food in the fridge or food in the freezer, a roof over their head, the heat or, or air conditioning on and all that stuff. Their needs are provided for. Amen. And it's the same way in our lives. Amen? And Pastor mentioned this on, on Sunday. A lot of times faith is really common sense, Right? Like he said, if you make 800 a week, but you're spending 1,200 and you're at negative 400 every week, that math is not going to work. So what do you do? A couple things. You can either, you know, decrease your, your expenses, but go and expand your means. Make that confession, right? Get the faith in you so God will bring you opportunities so you can, you know, become more valuable out in the marketplace, you know, and, and earn more income. Amen? Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, just, just listen to this. We're talking about asking in faith. It says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what manner is there of you, who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then being evil, and that just means you know, uh, our sinful nature, being a human being. So he says, you know, not being an evil, sinister person, but again, it's, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those that ask him? Amen? Praise God. He's a good Father. But we've got to ask. 
We've got to go to our Father and, and spend time with Him, you know, and, and He will answer our, our, our prayers. He's a good God. Amen. Say this, good God. Good God. Bad, devil. bad devil. If we would keep that good God, bad devil, that would correct, correct a whole lot of theology out there, right? Only good things come from God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Good God, bad devil. Matthew 6, 9, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, finally we're getting to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in this manner, he says, Jesus is teaching them, he says, you know, this isn't like a a magic formula, but he's like, this is the the way to pray. This is a, a pattern for prayer. It doesn't mean that you go and just repeat this over and over and over. I know when I, I first, you know, uh, gave my life to the Lord, I didn't know how to pray. I knew pr- two prayers. I knew this prayer, and I knew, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. That was the only two prayers that I knew. So I prayed the, prayed the Lord's Prayer because that's really all I knew until I, I, I learned more. And, and again, God met me where I was at, but he says, you know, this is the pattern for prayer. He says, our Father. And, and this was crazy at the time. Because again, the, the, the Pharisees and, and the scribes, they didn't even speak the name of God. They would write down YHWH. They wouldn't even write his whole name out because it was so reverent and holy. And, and there's something good about that. But so when he came and he said, our father, first of all, he said our. He didn't say my father. He said our father. This is how you pray, right? But father denotes that intimacy. Because a father, you can go and jump up on his lap. And for Jesus to say that, man, that, that, that made him mad. That freaked him out, which is, was Jesus' MO, right? He was totally contradictory because, again, he was trying to ruin and break down religion and bring in a relationship. So he said, our Father, in this manner, right? Hallowed, and that word hallowed means holy or, or, or sanctified or, or set apart. So he said, holy be your name. It's to be treated differently. And so when we come to God in prayer, we, we start out and we go, our Father, which art in heaven, you know, denoting that, that our heaven, he is in heaven. He's, he's the creator of the whole entire universe. We're, we're, we're saying who it is that we're speaking to. And man, there's a, a reverence and an awe and, you know, just he can provide anything. He, he can do the impossible, right? Psalms 104, it, it says this, we're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and, and into his courts with praise. We're to be thankful to him and, and to bless his name. And so that's how we come to God. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy be your name. And you spend some time just worshiping him. It says the, that God inhabits the praises of his people. That's why, you know, church services aren't just done randomly. That's why we have worship first, to, to usher in the presence of God, to, to, to still our minds from what we've got going on in the world and, and kind of calm and quiet our minds down and, and get into the presence of God so that when we can open up his word, we're able to receive that word. Amen? That's why we do it. Same thing when you're in your prayer time. You know, again, this is your private prayer time. This isn't all day long, but, you know, it's a, if you're just starting out, a, a 10 or 15 minute time where you just get down on your knees and, and just, our Father which art in heaven, holy be your, God, I worship you. You're holy, you're mighty, you're majestic, you're awesome, you're a great dad. And then give him thanks. I thank you so much for, for, for saving me, for pulling me out of the kingdom of darkness and putting me into the kingdom of light. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my three boys. Uh, just thank you for, you know, a roof over my head and the, the food in the freezer and the food in the fr- And you just, gratitude opens up the heart of God. Amen? Because it, it, it shows that, that we're grateful. And you don't find many grateful people who are depressed because it takes the focus off of us and it puts it on, you know, what we have rather than what we don't have. 
So gratitude is a, is a, is a great thing. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, as we continue along, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the fourth principle is we got to put the kingdom of God first. You know, and, and all throughout Matthew chapter 5, he was explaining how the kingdom operated, you know, how a kingdom person thinks and operates, you know, with the Beatitudes. And then he said, you're to be salt and light. You're, you're not only not murder, but don't even have anger or hatred in your heart. Not, not commit adultery, but don't even have lust in your heart, right? A, a higher level. Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those which despitefully use you and persecute you, right? That's what he's been teaching us is, is how the kingdom is going to come. And the kingdom comes through us. Amen? Luke 17, 21, it says the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is also righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom. It's in us. It's not a, an outward thing. It's an inward thing. And we're to bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth. You know, so many of us want to get to heaven. But again, God's trying to get heaven down to us. Amen? Amen. So he says, your will be done. What, what is it when he says that? You're submitting your will to his will. And you're saying, God, whatever it is that you have for me, I know it's better than my will. You know the end from the beginning. You know the best for me. And so I submit my will to you. And whatever you have, I'm going to submit to that and I'm going to walk it out. Amen? By his grace and, and, and by his mercy. On the flip side, I think a lot of people think, you know, fate is a thing. You know, que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. And it doesn't work that way. Amen? We, we intentionally submit our will to God because he's an intentional God. Amen. He's not random. He's not, you know, look at, look at how the universe was created. It's not by chance, right? This big giant rock spinning around a thousand miles an hour, right? It's been doing it for, for how many years and, you know, will continue to do so, provided everything. Everything has been done intentionally. Amen. And it's been provided for our needs. And he says, on earth as it is in heaven. And I think about this. What if, what if we substitute you know, your kingdom come, your will be done in my family as it is in heaven, in my job or my career as it is in heaven, in my marriage as it is in heaven, or in, in Sioux Falls as it is in heaven, at Faith Family Church as it is in heaven. That should be our prayer. Amen? Amen. Because again, Sioux Falls and in, in our lives, it should be like he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. There should be, this should be like the land of Goshen. Because if we're all Christians that are, that are duplicating ourselves and we're all living this way as he taught in the Sermon on the Mount, things will get better. Amen? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, as we continue on, he says, Give us this day our daily bread. And now you're acknowledging God as your provider, that he's your source. And we trust him daily for our provision. And men, you know, a lot of times we think, you know, we're the, we're the breadwinner of the household, right? That's, that's a term, sure, but, but you're really not the provider. God is the provider. Amen? Now, yeah, you go out and you work a job or you have a business or whatever it is that, but, but see, God's the source. And then he provides avenues for you that's going to bring income into your lives and provision into your lives, but God is the source. So when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're acknowledging that he is our source. Again, it's like the Israelites when they're out there and every day they had manna and they got ungrateful and they wanted meat. So he sent them quail, right? More quail than they could even eat. But again, it's about having that attitude of gratitude, you know, that, that he does provide for our daily needs. Verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And another version says uh, sins or, or, or trespasses. So first of all, we, we ask God for forgiveness of our sins that, that we've committed. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Sin has a wage and the price will be paid. The great news is the gift of God is eternal life. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9, that's a, an awesome scripture for believers. It says if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if you've messed up, if you made mistakes, you, you stand on those scriptures, but again, you come to God and ask him for forgiveness. But here's the deal. The faster that you repent, the faster that fellowship is restored. So be quick to repent. Amen? Be quick to run to God. You know, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden when, when, when they transgressed God's word and they ate of the fruit, what happened? They hid, right? And God said, where are you? He knew where they were. He knew what they did. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He knew all that. And I often wonder if, if they would have just owned up to it instead of saying, you know what, it, it was the woman that you gave me, and then she said, no, it was the serpent, right? They, they passed blame if they would have just said, you know what, you told us not to eat of that. We shouldn't have done it, and we're sorry. I don't know what would have happened. It would have been interesting to see, but, but here we are, right? 6,000 years later, living in it. It's all good. Then we need to forgive others because we've been forgiven, right? And isn't it so many times that, I've said this before, we want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for everybody else, right? Not good. We need to show mercy to others the same way that we've been shown mercy. We've all been forgiven. We've all got a history and a past, even if you got born again you know, early on in life. We need to show mercy the way that we've been shown mercy. Amen? And love people into the kingdom, not judge them into the kingdom. And then afterwards go, oh man, you're in? Now you start loving them afterwards. It doesn't work that way. Amen? We need to love people. Matthew 6.13, as we're, we're getting towards the end here, it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this, this term, lead us not into temptation. God does not tempt us. Satan does. Remember, good God, bad devil, Right? So again, the tempter is, is Satan, but it says, lead us not into temptation. So we're asking God to, to help us recognize. Because again, the devil, he knows your candy. He's very patient. He's going to take notes on you. And, and for a while, he'll come off and, and, and then he'll come back around when, when you least expect. And a lot of times, it's when things are going really, really well. And you, know, you take your foot off the gas and you're just kind of cruise control, right? You're not putting the word in like you were. You're not reading and, and praying. And you know, now, instead of coming to church you know, on Sunday and Wednesday, it's maybe a couple times a month and whatnot. And then, bam, you know, here he comes to bring deception into your life. And the only one that doesn't know they're deceived is the one that's deceived. Everybody else knows it, but that one that's deceived. Pastor always talks about the, the log in your eye, and eventually you can, you can adapt to that log in your eye. So again, it's always praying, God, search my heart. Examine me. Is there anything in me, that, that, any area that I'm being deceived? Amen? And, and show that to me. It's typically not our jobs to do that for one another, right? Mow your own grass. Amen? Amen. And the evil one, who's, who's the evil one? Satan. Satan, that's exactly right. Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Your enemy is seeking to devour you. He does not care about you. He hates you because he hates God. 
And see, he, he tried to, to, to take authority up in heaven and he got booted out. But he's still trying to, to take the authority and, and he did take authority here on earth, but then, then Jesus stole that or took that back from him, right? And booted him out again, but we have to know that authority. Amen? And we have to walk in that authority. You think about principalities, that word principalities, the root word is prince. You know, there's princes over certain areas. Think about certain cities and certain things that go on. You think about Minneapolis and, and the agenda that's heavily up in Minneapolis because there's a principality over that, right? Principalities and powers. And somebody's got to tear that down. Amen? Amen? Amen. And that's, that's our prayer in Sioux Falls here. When you see stuff going on, when you hear about more methamphetamine or fentanyl or, or alcoholism or all this stuff, that's a principality that's trying to weave its way into our city, and we as believers need to take authority over that. Amen? Amen. And take authority over the principalities. But yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So we start the way we, or we stop the way we start with praise and thanksgiving. Amen. And finally, at verse 14, it says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And the fifth and final point is forgive as you've been forgiven. And I touched on that already, so I'm not going to go into detail. But a lot of times it is. It's easier to ask God for forgiveness than to forgive other people. Right? But the Bible says, go to ask forgiveness from the other first before you bring your gift to God. He's dead serious about that. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Jesus said that. It's, it's real. And so it's, it's forgiveness. We have to walk in that. Amen? So again, the principles. Number one was avoid performance prayers. Number two was asking God in faith. Number three was, was asking knowing you're going to receive. Number four is putting the kingdom of God first. And fifth was forgive as you've been forgiven. The Lord's Prayer. It's a pattern that we can emulate. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up on our feet here. Our foot, feet. Just stand. That'll work. We're going we're gonna to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And if you haven't got this memorized, this would be one of the first things I'd encourage you to do. Even in high school football. You know, it was back in, you know, 89, 90, 91 or whatever. But we would pray the Lord's Prayer before we went out. I don't know if they're, they're able or they do that anymore. But we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Amen. And that was, it was a cool thing. I wasn't born again. I wasn't saved, but I remember it was, it was a seed. Amen? Amen. So let's, uh, do you got that up there, the Lord's Prayer? Well, we know it. All right, here we go. So our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who... Yeah. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. You can tell there's different uh, versions and translations of that. But I, I also, you know, Pastor, when I was talking to him earlier, I said, man, if, if, if I was going to teach people, because again, this is such a broad subject. But if I had somebody brand new and, and he said, you know what, write out a couple prayers and just, and just pray those out. Is, is the thing, is it frozen up there? No? So you got that, that prayer for marriage that you can put up there? All right, praise God. So we're going to pray this together. This is a prayer over your marriage. And you pray this in faith. Amen? So let's start. Father, your greatest command was to love you and love each other. 
Show us how to follow your example and set aside our selfishness and pride and humbly serve each other. Help us to be of one spirit and of one mind and value each other above ourselves. In the midst of our busy lives, help us take time to love each other deeply from the heart as you have loved us. May the love we have for each other be an example to the world of how you love them and gave your life for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So again, if you don't know how to pray, man, you know, get in the Word, get in Psalms, even Google it, prayers. Start somewhere, but start spending time with God. He's not looking for all the these and the thus and the thous. He's looking for your heart and for your attitude. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.